Good morning. Good to have you here this morning. I have to admit, Wednesday when I began to really dig in and get ready for the message, I looked at the uh, title and thought, I think you're crazy. What were you thinking about? <laughs> Sometimes you, you lay out a message series. I usually do this a couple months in advance. And then you get to the week of a certain message and you're, you're wondering why you decided to do that. You're trying to pull together. And uh, this was one of those weeks, but for a very different reason. <laughs> um, what we're trying to do today, though, is we're trying to gain an understanding. Last week we looked at men, and we tried to gain an understanding of how God had wired men together and what his intent was there. We're going to do the same for women today with the goal of creating um, more of an understanding between men and women. This is what God wants. Last week, we looked at how God made men to have courage, to fight for the right things, and the strength to bear the responsibility that God has given them. Uh, the first man and first woman were the template for all men and women who would follow. But since they each decided to bust through the boundaries that God had set up and rebel, against him, trying to do life on their own. What they decided was we were going to try to make life work without his help. That's, that's the core of what they did when they decided to rebel. And <clears throat> since then, the template has been warped. Sin warps God's template for men and women. It's still there. It's distorted, and you can get to it. But you need his help. God gives us what we need. He gives men what they need to be who he made them to be, and women what they need to, to be who he's made women to be. And so we've, we've been looking at how God has designed the genders, men and women, to fit together like two puzzle pieces, to be two corners of a box. Actually, in Hebrew, if you dig into Genesis, the word male means prominent or sharp. The word female means perforated. So you can see two puzzle pieces that fit together. If, if you eliminate the distinctiveness of the genders, then marriage suffers. And what happens if you come to Christ, you come to God, as you walk with him, he is going to make you more womanly. If you're a woman, if you walk with him, he's going to make you more manly if you're a man. Because who you are the, to the core of your being speaks to your, your maleness or your femaleness. And God wired you together that way. And as you walk with him, he is going to highlight the strengths that he has built into you and, and that he has wired in because of his decision to make you male or female. Um, if, if you eliminate that distinctiveness, the edges of the differences that hold the marriage together begin to unravel. And so it's very, very important stuff. We discount this in our culture, in our society. We discount the importance of, of the, the differences and the distinctiveness. But we're looking at God's blueprints to learn his intent in the design that he put together. So today, we're going to dig in and discover some of the strengths and struggles that women particularly have in the world. First of all, let's look at what's in a name. <clears throat> Genesis 2, we looked at some of this already. 220 through 23 says, 
But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. That word suitable helper literally means complementary opposite, counterpart. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Then you go down in uh, chapter twenty or verse twenty of chapter three, Genesis three twenty, says Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. In, in the creation and in the names of Adam and Eve, we learn some important things about their makeup. Adam in Hebrew literally means the ground or dirt. <laughs> <clears throat> It doesn't mean that men are dirt. It's not what it's saying. (laughs) He was given this name to remind him of where he comes from and some important important things about about his focus and what, what he's about. It tells us a lot about that. Adam was a gardener and a farmer. Farmers mark out some land and they make it their own by working it. They cultivate the soil. They work it. And then they try to produce fruit, food, and they do. That's what farmers do. This is, this is what men do. They mark out a part of their world. They make it their own, and they work it to try to produce something good. At their best, this is what men do. It defines manhood to the core. And now, more than ever, since, since we've rebelled against God, and sin has warped things and distorted things, it takes strength and courage to do this, we, we've got we've to hang on to our responsibilities, get a grip on what those are, and, take, and step forward to, to make it happen. Eve, the name literally means life giver. God took Eve from the body of a man. She came from the body of a man, and others would be given life through her. Notice how connected she is. To other people from the very beginning. This is a clue to her makeup. She, she gives life to others by attracting a man who connects with her, and uh, life comes from this connection. Her beauty gets the whole process started. Her role from the outset is sort of in, to in, indirectly influence the process. That's how it happens. Connection is a very important part of the core of a woman. Married or not, you have this wired in. This is in the context, this description is in the context of the first man and woman. Um, but this, this is the, the, the truth about who you are to the core of your being if you're a woman. It's, it's a core part of the essence of femininity. There's a Harvard psychologist named Carol Gilligan. Uh, who did some research, and she reported her research in a book called In a Different Voice. She did a series of interviews with very highly successful professional women. And this is a quote from what she said. All of the women describe a relationship 
depicting their identity in the connection of future mother, present wife, adopted child, or past lover. These highly successful women do not mention their academic and professional distinctions in the context of describing themselves. Identity is defined in the context of their relationships. That's something she found in her research. She says that men see themselves more as separate individuals achieving something rather than a person whose identity is found in relational attachments. Now, you can see this in the name Adam and in, in the name Eve, and in, we're going to see it in uh, the consequences of the rebellion, uh, that a man tends to be more or- oriented outwardly. He wants to accomplish something out there in the world. And a woman is more uh, identified to the core of her being through her attachments. And they both want to make a difference. But a man tends to want to make a difference out there in the world. A woman wants to make a difference in her relationships. That They, they both have a purpose to fulfill. None of this speaks to value. None of it speaks to mental capacity. None of it speaks to capabilities, strength, uh, inner strength, strength of character. As you look, as we're talking about these differences, there's a passage in Galatians that talks about how in Christ there is no female or no male any longer. What that passage is referring to is value and ability to, to accomplish what God has made you to accomplish. It's not denying the distinctiveness and trying to squash us into one mold where we all fit together and we all act the same and think the same. That's just not going to happen. You can see here, as you get back into the beginning of Genesis, that God has wired in some differences to us that as we follow him, they, they, they bless people because we bring our strengths into relationships and we bring our strengths into the objectives and the, the purposes that God has put us together to accomplish. But attachment goes to the core of a woman and accomplishment to the core of a man. It's, it's interesting, just one little incident in our family life this week, our marriage, Cindy and I, uh, shows some of the differences. I was sitting at the kitchen table sometime after breakfast, I think, and I mentioned to Cindy that we need to book her flight to Oklahoma. She's going to go visit our daughter in Oklahoma in, in the later part of this month. So, I, hey, I, hey, we need to book our flight. And... I had the computer there, so she she began to uh, move her stuff over in the chair next to where I was sitting, and she was thinking that we would both look at the computer screen together. But as she as she kind of pulled up to this chair here, I had to move some of my stuff over here, and I was thinking, what is she doing? <laughs> and what I meant by the statement was, I just need... I need you to tell me when you want to go and when you want to come back so I can book the flight. Well, she decided this is an opportunity to pull in and do this together. That's, that, that scenario has happened over and over again. If I was more clued in, I would have been more welcoming of that, of that, you know, intrusion on my space, which is what it felt like. Um, but again, I missed it. 
but that that as I thought about that, this this is this is how it works. This is the difference between men and women. Men tend to see themselves as separate individuals achieving something. Women see themselves connected and attached, and that brings some strengths. And it it can as as we live in a world where men and women have chosen to go their own way, trying to make life work independent of God. It has created some struggles, but we're going to look at the strengths first. God, God-given strengths of a woman. Uh, Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Women have a lot of power in the home and elsewhere to build people up. Women possess God-given strength in making connections, first of all. It's the mom who keeps the family connected. It's, it's the mom who's really pleased when everyone's home for the holidays. I mean, the dad's happy too. But it's the mom. I mean, she's, she's wanting everybody to be together. Um, women are much more connected to the kids than the man. Um, I don't mean, I, I mean there's a, just a core level connection. Men stay connected. Good, good fathers stay connected to their kids. That's one of my goals. As I, one of my goals as I've related to my kids, I've wanted to stay connected to their heart. But women, as a rule, are way more connected than the kid, than than the, the dad. Um, we lost a baby in between Thad and Lindsay, and uh, we had a miscarriage. I think about four months, and. I was shocked when year after year Cindy would remember the day that that baby would have been born. It obviously it affected me. It was a hard thing. It's, you mourn and you grieve and you go through it, but but she was already connected to that child in a way that I I would never be because of her womanliness, <laughs> because of who she, who God made her to be. That's, that's the way God put women together. And this is a beautiful thing as we live it out under the guidance of, of the Lord Jesus. As we follow him, he, he makes us more of who he made us to be, male or female. In, in church life and ministry, women are oftentimes the first to try to reconnect with God. And, and she takes steps where God, and then the husband comes along as well. That's just a fact of life. And so, in, in the church, since the gospel, since the good news about Christ travels through relationships, the women have a lot to offer in, in church life and in helping with this. Um, at work, a woman who is operating out of her core strength can clue men into problems that they don't see. And that's true, in, that's true in parenting, that's true in your work, it's true wherever. So guys, it would be good to pay attention to what women are saying. saying. Now, a self-centered woman uh, who's, who's focused on drawing everybody in to meet her needs, she tears things apart. So just like with a man, there's this, uh, there, there are this, this, the raw strength and courage that God wants us to have. It can go wrong. As we, as we get selfish and focus in on what we want and we become demanding and we use our strength in the wrong way, same thing with the women. It, it can go really wrong, the strength to make connections. But it's there 
And as you follow the Lord Jesus, boy, it just, it just grows and, and really blesses the people around you. Another strength that women have is uh, they have a strength in building a network of relationships. This is the way they approach things. It's the way successful businesswomen see themselves in that study by Carol Gilligan. And uh, it's the way they go about life. Under God's guidance, a woman has the ability to build and maintain relationships in a way that provides nurture and, and protection. In fact, they, the, the people that they're connected to, they want to make sure that they have what they need. It's just a knee-jerk re- ref- reflex in, in women as, as they're becoming who God made them to be. Um, a woman finds joy and being connected in warm relationships where all enjoy each other. And a godly woman has a real strength in being able to encourage and build up relationships. That's what Proverbs 14 was saying. So that there's some of the strengths that are built into women. Problem is, the first man and woman tried to make life work without God, and every one of us since then has done the same thing. So let's look at the struggles that God has built into a woman's world. The impact of sin, we said, I think last week, was gender-specific. We, we deal with the consequences of sin as a man and as a woman, and there is a sense in which, as, as people, we do too, but... There's a very gender-specific consequence to each the man and the woman. And you begin, even in the consequence, there's a clue as to how we're wired. Um, but here's, here's what God said to the woman after she rebelled. This is the price for her rebellion. So to the woman, he said, God, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. For the man, his, his work, it says, it goes on and, and lists the consequences for the man. For the man, his work would now be full of trouble and toil. So work is now work. Oh, I got to go to work. I got to fight through all the thorns and the thistles and the weeds and, and the toil and the trouble. And that, there's a sense in which that's true for all of us. But that was specifically the struggle for the man. For the woman, her core struggle has to do with her relationships. Now, the, the special connection of childbearing is painful. And, and even the monthly cycle that prepares her for this brings pain. And there's this connection between body and emotions that goes on. That's, that's wired in since, since the, the rebellion of the first man and woman. And then there's going to be a basic struggle in her relationship to her husband. It says that your desire will be for your husband. The word desire means, has the idea of uh, you will want to master your husband. And... The fact is, he will rule over you. Now, here, here's the thing about guys. They're like bricks, not like, not like clay. <laughs> so, they're, they're, they are not that moldable. Okay, it's not like uh, Play-Doh. We're, we're more like bricks that, that can't, aren't going to be shaped. 
There is someone who can shape us, but it's not the woman. It's God himself. By the grace of God, we can change. But still, there's this consequence that's built in where, where the woman just, she wants to, she wants to, to master her husband. And that can drive a gal crazy if she doesn't take that to God and say, Lord, here it is. I, I'm going to trust this to you. I'm not going to do this. Um, the tendency for a woman is to directly try to influence a guy to do what she wants, to become who she thinks he should be, to steer him where she wants to go or where she thinks it should go. And the scripture says, the guy's going to rule. <laughs> He's not budging. So there's this built-in power struggle in marriage that we all deal with in one way or the other. It has, diff- has as many different forms probably as there are people, married people here. Many different facets to this. But it's there. That power struggle is there in, in the relationships. I'd like to show you a video. And you're going to have to go back into time a little bit. And the reason I'm showing it, it's, it's from, I think it's somewhere early 1940s, Citizen Kane. And so it, it's, I hope you can get what, what you, you, I'm trying to show you. But mainly what I'm trying to show you is watch the guy's focus where he's focusing and what the woman's focusing on. And then how the, the struggle shows up in their relationship. Here, here's the clip. You never should have married a newspaper man. They're worse than sailors. I absolutely adore you. Oh, Charles, even newspaper men have to sleep. I'll call Mr. Bernstein, have him put off my appointments until noon. What time is it? Oh, I don't know. It's late. It's early. know how long you kept me waiting last night while you went to the newspaper for ten minutes. What do you do in a newspaper in the middle of the night? Emily, my dear, your only correspondent is the Inquirer. Sometimes I think I'd prefer a rival of flesh and blood. Oh, Emily, I don't spend that much time on the newspaper. It isn't just the time. It's what you print, attacking the president. You mean Uncle John? I mean the president of the United States. He's still Uncle John. He's still a well-meaning fathead who's letting a pack of high-pressure crooks run his administration. This whole oil scandal... He happens to be the president, Charles, not you. That's a mistake that will be corrected one of these days. Your Mr. Bernstein sent Junior the most incredible atrocity yesterday, Charles. I simply can't have it in the nursery. Mr. Bernstein is apt to pay a visit to the nursery now and then. Does he have to? Yes. Really, Charles? People will think... What I tell them to think.
at the end, she's reading the other paper in town. That, what that shows is the guy's focus, accomplishment, the gal's focus, connection. She's trying to keep him connected to her. And um, she. Th- this is a picture of the struggle that we read about in that verse. Many times a woman's attempt to stay connected turns into a cling. And she directly tries to influence the man. Now, I, I want to share some things about how you can be more effective at becoming a woman of influence from Scripture that will really help you. A, a woman who decides to follow Christ and live God's way matures into someone who has a tremendous amount of influence, especially in the life of, of her man. Um, it doesn't flow out of a power struggle that we tend to get into when we're trying to go it on our own without God. But it flows out of the right kind of pull and attraction that God has built into the core of your being as a woman, if you're, if you're uh, listening. <laughs> um, it, it, there, there are some things that you can do. Rather than take a direct, pay attention to me, stay connected to me, tact, there are some things that you can do. And the smartest thing to do is become someone he wants to hang out with. And it, it, this, this applies to other relationships as well. As well. At work, um, become someone the boss wants to, to hear from. Become someone that they, they'd like to, to, to listen to. Make it easy on them to hear from you, as easy as you can. And so, you, you have a lot of power to influence situations as a woman. And the scripture has given us some very specific help on how to do that. First of all, fear the Lord. Proverbs 31.30 says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears God is focused in each relationship not on what she needs or wants to get out of it, but what God wants to happen in that relationship. What, what is right before God for me to, to do here? And so that's what it means to fear God. You, you realize that he's watching. You, you respect him enough that you try to stay in the boundaries that he's created, created. So a woman who fears God is to be praised. She's honored. She is valued because as she handles all the relationships and the, the circumstances and the projects and the, her own responsibilities in life, she's asking that question. What is right before God? Not I'm just going to dive in and try to get my needs met here, but what is right before God? She trusts God and she's asking, how, how can I relate in a way that blesses the people in my life here? There, there is a lot of power in becoming that kind of woman. She, she gets praised. Secondly, be attractive from the inside out. There's a passage in 1 Peter where there's guidance in the Bible on how to win over a husband who isn't a believer. And we're not talking about just, we're talking about a pagan non-believer who was more than likely a party animal. And you're trying to win him over to follow Christ. And it describes how to do that. It's not a direct tact. (laughs) It's not at all. But it's becoming a person who influences him and creates an environment where he wants to be with you and 
uh, sways him over to your side. First Peter 3, 1 through 6. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. You know, let me back up. Many times a woman sees what needs to be done. In family life, a woman knows what needs to be done. She sees it way before the guy does. At that point, you have a choice. How am I going to address this issue? There, this, is, this is also applicable to that situation. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. In other words, make it easy on them to lead. Work as a team with them. Cooperate with them. Remember, the guys are responsible for the whole marriage. So God is going to go to them when the family's messed up. And so you approach this this way. You realize he bears a different... I'm responsible for my actions as an individual. He's responsible for the actions of our entire family. And so I approach him in this way. Um, so that you... you you're submissive to your husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity, which means chaste or respectful uh, behavior, and reverence, which means you're giving respect to the guy. Guys crave that. And actually, a friend of mine says, the man has no armor on the side of his body where the woman stands. And so in that video, the comments that she made about his paper and what he prints, that cuts. That cuts very deeply. You don't realize it because guys don't usually crumble and wallow in, in tears. But it cuts. And so if you want to become a woman who really influences a guy... You show respect. And, and be, one of the things is, guys, guys really, that, that encourages them at the core of their being. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. The word gentle is uh, a word that means... Controlled strength. You have a calm strength about you. You're not pushy or panicky in the way that you relate. A quiet spirit literally means peaceable. It's a tranquility that arises from within. Again, there's a calmness. You're not stirring things up in the way that you go about things. These things are of great worth in God's sight. For in this way, the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. What happens as a woman, you end up in a very vulnerable place. If you attach yourself to a man, because the guy is uncontrollable, frankly. And, and so you end up in a ver- very vulnerable position. And what you have to do over and over and over again, you have to choose faith. If you don't choose faith, you're going to go to your default mode. And, and you're going to do some things that drive him away. 
And so these qualities that were listed here in 1 Peter 3, they grow and blossom as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and as you take things to him first, you, you get anxious, there's fear. You take things to him, you deal with your fear and anxiety before God. Really what you're going to have to do is trust God and follow your husband. Because if you're waiting till you, until you can trust your husband to follow him, you, you, I don't know if that day is going to come. You're just going to have to trust God that he can work through even this guy that you're attached to. <clears throat> Anxiety grows out of that relationship to your husband. And as, as your, your, if the Lord gives kids, then as the kids grow, they become less and less attached to you. And so, you, again, you have to choose faith because they're going to go out on their own and disconnect in a way. They're not going to be connected the same way they always have been. So over and over again, you, have your, you, you find yourself needing to choose faith, to put your hope in God and allow him to work things out. As you, as you become a woman of faith and you handle things right, you're strong, you're calm, you can be counted on, reliable. You show respect. Boy, that draws men in. That draws your man to you. If you don't trust God more than your husband, then your marriage starts eroding. And you, you really need to choose that. The third thing to do to become a woman of influence out of Scripture is Proverbs eleven six sixteen. 16. Uh, a kind-hearted woman gains respect. But ruthless men gain only wealth. Deep down, what a woman wants is to be treasured. I almost sang it in the first service. Cherish is the word I use to describe. I, I, I sang it in this one. I don't know. That's a, word, that's a song from the 60s. But cherish is the word that describes what women want. And, and they want to be valued. Guys... You need to pay attention to them and value them as a person. That's what 1 Peter 3, 7 says. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Be considerate. Study them. Know them. Try to understand them. And value them as a person, their insights, their feelings, the caring that they show, the nurture that they give, the warm environment that they provide. Value that. Women, kindness is a way to gain this sort of value in the eyes of other people. It's a kind-hearted woman who gains respect and honor and value. Um, helping others with their goals versus demanding your way and helping, having people help you with yours. Next week, we're going to look at the collision that occurs when men and women get together, the conflict that tends to happen, and what Scripture says about handling that conflict in a way that strengthens relationships. There's some next steps that you could take as you've listened this morning, as we've gotten into the Word. God may have laid on your heart some things to, to follow through on. Here's some possibilities. Uh, you may want to read Proverbs 31. That's a passage about a godly woman. And memorize 3130. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But uh, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Uh, women, you may want to choose one key to influence and apply it to a specific relationship this week. 
one of those. Maybe um, being other-centered, being beautiful from the inside out, and um, fearing God. Men, aim to grow in understanding and consideration this week toward a woman in your life. First uh, Peter 3.7 talks about that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for the truth in Scripture that helps us to understand more about life and following you. Thank you for your patience that's been displayed in Jesus Christ. Even when we went out on our own, you, you pursued us and you, you want to have a relationship with us and you, you died on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done, for helping us in the midst of our struggles, for your patience and guidance and for the power that you give to live rightly and to love the people around us, Lord. We pray for your help as we take these steps this week to follow you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.